This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. Jack Spillane, columnist for the New Bedford Delight, joins us periodically to talk about the news of the day. Jack is here this morning to take an extended look at the 2023 municipal election. Uh, Welcome back, Jack. Always good to be here, Jim. Jack, we uh, are looking at uh, some of the things that uh, now appear to be uh, decided in terms of the election, who's running, who's not running. Um, Decisions uh, are made. Uh, uh, People uh, look at uh, the slate of candidates. I'm looking, they look at Mayor John Mitchell, who's been mayor an awfully long time. And uh, I, I wonder, personally, why there is no substantial challenger on that list. Now, they may be all fine people, but uh, there is no one who has proven uh, they can mount a substantial challenge to the mayor. It's kind of kind of a surprise. It is a surprise. Uh, there's been no shortage of criticism of this mayor, whether it's that he's put too much emphasis on the wind turbine industry to the exclusion of the fishing industry, whether it's um, the state of the school system, the MCAS scores are, are still struggling, the graduation rate is down a little bit, but even that had a slight uptick this year, whether it's the um, issue of uh, housing in the city. Uh, uh, New Bedford has joined places like Boston and Providence as starting to become unaffordable. And there's been a lot of talk in the city, um, dissatisfaction with the mayor on the city council, but when it comes right down to it, no one runs. And yes, there are five people who have put their names forward, but Most people who observe New Bedford politics and politics anywhere know that in order to be elected mayor, you have to have a certain gravitas, a certain stature, a certain ability to raise money, a certain organizational attraction, a a, a public figure of some sort. And um, we have not had anybody that was willing to do it. It looked for a while like Mayor Lang, former Mayor Lang might do it, but he's busy with his law practice. And the result is we don't have any candidates. And uh, look, I have nothing against the mayor, nothing personal against the mayor for sure. I, I mean, I, I think there's some things he's done well, some things maybe not so well. Absolutely. But every mayor has that on yeah. their record. Uh, and no aspersions cast on the candidates we do have. It's right. just that, that, that they are not people with a large public profile. And, um, and so the mayor keeps going in all likelihood. He will be reelected this fall. I mean, we never never can be totally sure, but it looks like he'll be reelected. Uh, and he will become, if he's not already, the longest-serving consecutive terms uh, mayor in the history of New Bedford. Yes, he yeah. is the longest consecutive-serving mayor right in now. New Bedford. Yeah. Uh, Charles Ashley served longer, but in, over a course of 30 years in non-consecutive um, terms, uh, I think the closest is Jack Markey, who's, who was elected to, to 12 years, but um, right. left midway right. to become a judge. Uh, uh, Mayor Mitchell, if Pointed he is... by re- Ed King. as a name out of the past. Ed King. <laughs> yeah. Governor Ed King. Appointed Mayor Markey to yeah. be a judge. Right. Uh, if um, Mayor Mitchell is reelected in November, he will have been reelected to serve 16 years. That's, That's a, a long, long time, time. Jack. That's like a career. It's a career. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, 
I think most people would think he's been a good mayor, not a perfect mayor, but a good mayor. Sure. Um, but it's a long time. Uh, so all of the action on the ballot this year will be on the city council side, I think it's safe to say. Um, what races look enticing to you? And there are several, several city council races that are quite interesting. Yeah, so I, as I said in my column, I think the at-large races is where it's at this year. Usually at-large is a name recognition race, and whoever finishes in the top five spots wins, and it's usually the people with name recognition because they're already on the council. But this year we have the unusual situation of having two former councillors, one who's a current councillor, Ward 5 councillor Scott Lemer, switching to the at-large race, and one, a former councillor, Ward 4 councillor, Bruce Duart Jr., who was also a council president, switching to the at-large race. Um, and we also have uh, two well-known names. Uh, we have uh, Devin Burns, who is the owner of Destination Soups, uh, does a lot of charitable work in the downtown, well-known guy. And we have Carmen Amaral, who finished second in the Ward 3 race, uh, a uh, curriculum coordinator at Old Rochester Regional uh, uh, High School. And she's running for? The at-large seat. She ran wow. in ward, for Ward 3 and finished second out of six candidates in the winter. Uh, she has a lot of support from the teachers' union. So she would be expected to, to be someone who has some support. And uh, there are some folks uh, who have ran before, running uh, like Ward 1. Uh, Leo Choquette is running in one. He's challenging Brad Markey. Challenging Brad Markey. And are there any others? that? Uh, it's a very interesting to... race in Ward 5 where former Ward 6 counselor Joe Lopes has switched to the Ward 5 race. He recently bought a house in Ward 5. We have um, Zach Boyer, a young uh, man who I think believes works in social work in the city, uh, has the support of um, some progressive groups, um, the Coalition for Social Justice, Zach Boyer. We have two other fellows, and their names, I'm going to draw a blank on their names because they're not as well-known as those two. One of them is Ian Saunders, who I believe has run in Ward 6 before, and, and the other is a, an ethnically Latino name, but I'm not sure of it. So, indeed, the city council is where the action will be. Here's the trouble with that. Uh, all of this, usually if you don't have a strong mayor's race on the ballot, the turnout is likely to be dismal, even with some strong council races. We haven't had a strong mayor's race in 12 years. Yeah. Um, mayor Mitchell has never really had a strong challenger. And so even with people who support... Well, the after two- Tony Cabral, he never had a strong challenger. Right, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. So... So people who support the two-year term say we need to bring back the two-year term to have a strong mayor's race to push that turnout in the ballot. But what they forget is that it's been six terms since you had a strong mayor's race, even with the two-year term. So a two-year term doesn't guarantee strong challenges. And in fact, in the first four two-year terms that Mayor Mitchell ran, he did not have strong challenges, and the turnout was what the turnout is. The fact is that John Mitchell is um, popular, is... um, uh, a mayor that's generally felt to, to have been a, done a good job, and he would not be easy to beat. And so that's what may be depressing the turnout, in my mind, more than the fact that we don't have a uh, a mayor's race because of the four-year, two-year term. We didn't have mayor's races in the two-year term for the three re-elections he had in that either, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, again, uh, to boil it down, we've got a, we don't have a, a lively mayor's race, but you know, 
you, you know, you never know who's going to get the nomination and challenge them. It may, it may be quite interesting. You just never know. I think with all the talk about term limits and on the city council this year, we won't have that on the ballot. But with all the talk of it, we have a very strong challenger, stronger than usual, in that at-large race, I would say. And so I think that there's a possibility that, that you may um, uh, have uh, some interest, not, not the level of interest of a strong mayor's race, certainly, but more than usual. Um, you're listening to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guest is Jack Spillane, columnist for the online newspaper New Bedford Light. You can read Jack's work at newbedfordlight.org. In that column, now I know you don't write the headlines, there was a subheadline that said, Councilor at Large is an odd position. Uh, is that your feeling? So that, that was a tech, that was like a line in the story. I, right. I didn't see that as a headline. Maybe they pulled it up. Oh, um, reporters don't generally write the headlines. They may suggest a headline, but there's no guarantee that it will be used. Headline is an art, and it has to fit in the space that is available. Especially online. Um, so um, I'm not aware that they pulled that out as a headline. They may have. Yeah. But I did write the line, so I'll take responsibility for it. Um, it's an odd position in the sense that it doesn't represent a neighborhood or a section of the city the way the ward councilors do. It represents the whole city, so it's sort of like a senator. Um, but the difference in a senator is you vote for two people in the final ballot for a senator, one or the other. It's a binary choice. In some cities in Massachusetts, the at-large positions are binary. You have at-large District 1, at-large District 2, and, and, and you, you run in a certain case, like on school committee. All the school committee members don't run in a given year. So you have a, a closer number of contests. So to me, it's an odd position because you can finish fifth and have won. I mean, finishing fifth is not really an endorsement, in my opinion, that a sure. lot of people like you. It's an endorsement that you have your followers and and maybe not enough name recognition to get in. Now, there, there's some argument that we don't want all elected positions to be a popularity contest. That's probably how they came up with the at-large position. But I I kind of think that it's gotten a little bit old in New Bedford. We've had some people that have been on there a long time, and that, that at-large position is odd the way it functions in terms of who wins and how easy it is to get on there. Yeah, and who they represent. They represent, they always say, represent the entire city. Uh, Do they? Well, I, I don't know. Do they? Do, Do they, they represent the entire city? Or have we seen that they really represent the municipal unions, the small business owners, the social service nonprofits, mm -hmm. the people who get their ear, even the individual citizens who call to complain? I see a lot of decisions of the city council that look to me that they're based on who's making phone calls as opposed to what's in the best interest of the city as a whole. That's my opinion, but... You know. And then we go into term limits, Jack, because that's been a recent uh, controversy. Had some petitioners uh, start out saying we'd like to see term limits for the city council. Uh, and a lot of people think that's a great idea. Uh, they apparently got some information that they needed, but they didn't get all the information they needed. And the idea kind of blew up. Um I'm not looking to cast any blame anywhere here, but it just seems like when you're starting a venture like this, you've got to have all your ducks in a row. In, and in that the didn't end, happen. In the end, it doesn't matter who gave you wrong information or who gave you incomplete information. Yeah. It's whether you put your petition 
in the form it needs to be put in and whether you are following the state's procedures. Uh, I've taken some criticism from this from the earnest people who tried to do this petition, Catherine Adamowitz and Paul Hankins, that I'm blaming the victim. But in the end, if you're trying to get a petition on the ballot, it's your responsibility to find out the law. Now, Catherine Adamowitz says that Manny DeBrito, the election commission chair, specifically told her this is the way to do it, but you might want to talk to the Chamber of Commerce, some other people involved in the last one, because they know more than me. That should have been a red flag that he didn't have incomplete information. DeBrito also says that he told her he has to check with the city solicitor to find out whether the law is in compliance. She says he didn't do that till well into the process. It's a he said, she said. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'll break a little news. I've, I've um, followed a public records request trying to find out when Manny com- communicated with um, who in the city. But in the end, I could not find, maybe there is something where he has to tell her how to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to find out how to do it. And that's why most people hire a lawyer. She says she hired a lawyer only to write the, the form, not to research the law and how to do it. I think she got incomplete information. You meet a rail jack. It's coming. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. That's what the light said. Uh, they, I mean, they are building that overpress, the pedestrian uh, crossing yeah. down by the unemployment office right. uh, off of um, Herman Melville Boulevard. So they say it's coming. We're waiting to see it. We're waiting to see the train. My guest has been Jack Spillane, columnist for New Bedford Light. Don't worry, Jack. You still have friends here. You'll always be my friend, Jim, and likewise. <laughs> Town Square Sunday will continue in just a moment.